Today on the 1012 Podcast, we've got Keegan Renault joining us to talk about NIL and the transfer portal. Look at the Big 12, look at college football holistically, some really great insight. Plus, Chase McAnulty, owner of Charlie Hustle, joins us. We've got some we got some teases for what could be coming real soon. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the 10-12, the podcast that covers all 14 teams in the Big 12 Conference, plus Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah. We are the flagship show of the 10-12 Network. Find every show in the network at 1012network.com, T-E-N, the number 12, the word network. And we are partners with Sport Social, Europe's biggest podcast network, Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us on this Thursday. You like the new intro music? The Just for the season? I had my friend cook up a little something for the holidays. It felt appropriate. I enjoy the sound of the bells. I do. The jingle bells, all the bells. Give me all the bells. Just just give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Uh, we have a great show for you today. Uh, Daniel and Chris will be back next Thursday for our last picks pod of the season. We'll pick every single Big 12 bowl game. Uh, but today, two fantastic guests. Keegan Renault, you know him. He's been on the show many times. He's going to join us to talk about Transfer Portal, NIL, just some things from a holistic college football standpoint, and some Big 12-specific topics. He knows a lot. He's a fantastic guest to have on for this. Plus, Chase McAnulty. The owner of Charlie Hustle, proprietor of the fantastic vintage college sports apparel that we love, joins us on the show to talk a little Charlie Hustle. If you're a Houston fan, if you're a fan of the Big 12, if you're a Big 12 wrestling fan, he's got some teases you're gonna wanna hear. So stick around for both those interviews. Uh, we've got a few things we need to talk about before we get to all that. I was going to try and set up an interview for this show to talk about the last 48 hours plus for Kansas State. Kansas State fans are down bad, and if you aren't aware of what's going on, it's it's way more than just Optimus Klein, offensive coordinator, leaving for Texas A&M. There's a lot of rumors about what's going to happen with the roster, other members of the offensive coaching staff, and then there's the, all the drama going down with the basketball program, and Jerome Tang, and the school president, and Aquan Tomlin. It is a little bit more than I want to try to unpack here in this intro. So what we're going to do, the host of Bosco's Boys, Scott, is going to join me for an interview. We're going to have that up on YouTube on Thursday. If you listen to this on after Thursday, just know that it's on there right now. You can go to the 1012 YouTube channel and find that interview to break all this down, what's coming forward, what's next, um, his thoughts, my thoughts on the entire situation. It's a lot to unpack, so it felt like it deserved its own time. I wasn't able to get that done in time for this episode, so go check out our YouTube channel. By the way, our episode on Monday that will drop in this feed is going to be a live show we will do on our YouTube channel on Sunday night at 8 p.m. God's time. That's Central Time for those of you in other time zones who don't understand. Uh, Central Time, 8 p.m. on YouTube. We're going to have some of our, our favorite Big 12 fans off of Twitter X, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we're going to kind of talk about the Big 12 football season, wrap up the season from that perspective. 
I've got a few guests lined up. I've got I got to get one more, but we'll be live on Sunday night at 8 p.m. Central Time on the 1012 Podcast YouTube channel. So go uh, join us then. Go check out the interview with Scott that will drop on Thursday. I don't know exactly what time we're going to record that interview in the morning is the plan. I know I'm not supposed to say those things because then they don't happen, but the plan is record the interview in the morning and then I'll get it dropped. I've got a, I got a lot of meetings at work on the day on Thursday, so I'm going to try and hustle that up before noon. Please don't hold me to that. I'm going to do my best. At worst, it'll be up on Friday. A few other interesting things. If you haven't had a chance, the Houston Chronicle had an article from Joseph Duarte uh, about the details about what happened with Dana Holgerson. I would suggest you go and read that article. It is free. You'll have to sign up for basically a, you'll have to give me your email, but the article is free. So you don't have to pay for it. That's a positive. I don't want to give it all away. I want you to go read the article. It's really good. But the details about it, I mean, I'll, I'll sum it up as best as I can here. We talked about it on the pod here. The recruiting were an, is an issue. Dana's comments about basically giving up on the 2024 class were an issue. The fact that he went 0-3 down the stretch was an issue. Win one game. Win one game. Blowing leads in games was an issue. Seeing empty seats in the stadium was an issue. A lot of things contributed to Dana Holgerson no longer being the head coach at the University of Houston. Um, again, I love the Willie Fritz hire. Um, I I hope for the best with every hire. I don't know if it's going to work out or not. I, at this point, I, I we've seen too many can't-miss hires completely and utterly fail. I think it's a good hire. I think it should work out. We'll see. But it's a really good article. Go and check that out. I would, I would suggest it. I don't, don't want to take their work and adopt it for my own. So go read the article. Um, there are 13 undefeated teams left in men's college basketball. Six play in the Big 12. <laughs> As of time of recording, this BYU is the number one team in the net. It's it uh, it's an absolute gauntlet every year, and yet somehow every year it only gets more difficult to be a men's basketball team in the Big 12 conference. It's it's going to be a wild year. It's going to be absolutely incredible, an absolutely wild year. Make sure that you are subscribed to the Midwest Madness podcast. Sam is doing a great job with the show. Go give it a listen. Okay? Go subscribe to it now. You can find the link at 1012network.com. You can find every show there. Go give it a listen. He's doing a great job. It's fantastic stuff. Absolutely fantastic stuff. A couple other pieces of news we want to talk about. Texas Tech's game at Oregon next season has been replaced with a road game at Washington State in football. I know Texas Tech fans were excited about the uh, return trip to Oregon, another shot at the Ducks, uh, but there has been a negotiation involving Texas Tech to allow Oregon and Oregon State to keep their rivalry series going. See, it is possible. Oklahoma State. And so instead of playing at Oregon, Texas Tech will travel to Washington State. I mean, uh, uh, look, uh, for a team that's still trying to build momentum and and build as a program, that's a much better opportunity for a win on the road at Washington State than on the road at Oregon. Uh, Shout out to Mike Vernon. I, I know some people like him, some people don't, whatever. But according to Mike Vernon, who has a lot of information about Kansas. I do subscribe to his newsletter. Uh, 
Kansas could be looking to move some of their home games to Arrowhead Stadium next season as they work to under uh, have renovations at the uh, Memorial Stadium. And to make that easier, they would move some of their home games for the 2024 football season out of Lawrence to get the project done quicker. Uh, could be all six, could be four. Something to keep an eye on as we uh, as we get closer to that season. It's still a long way off. We haven't wrapped this season. We haven't gotten bowl games done yet. Oh, bowl games. Uh, I'm going to have a bowl game ranking. I haven't decided if I'm going to do this as video. If I'm going to do that as, as an audio format. I'll probably put that on the Patreon. So if you have not subscribed to the 1012 Network Patreon yet, we would appreciate if you would. You pick the podcast you want to support. Uh, we've we've seen a, some growth there on the Patreon account over the last month. I would love for you to join. It's $5 a month. It's as simple as that, and we are we are working really hard to put some content out for you on a regular basis there, or at least more regular than irregular. Uh, we'll have a monthly article from Justin Kartz looking at Big 12 women's basketball. We're going to have some stuff from Jamie in regards to women's basketball. I'm going to try and put out some football stuff on a regular basis. So keep an eye on the Patreon. Please do us a favor. Go and uh, go sign up there. It's $5 a month. And it just it's another way to help support the podcast and the network as we work to continue to grow and look to acquire new podcasts in the new year to cover the four new teams. And uh, we still need an Iowa State podcast. So if you're interested or know somebody who might be, let me know. 1012podcast at gmail.com is the email. 1012network on Twitter, 1012pod on Instagram and threads. That's all the places you can find us. Let's wrap this up and just say, don't forget about YouTube. Follow us. If, uh, however you're listening, if this is, uh, if you're listening on YouTube, like the video, subscribe to the channel. We'd appreciate it. Uh, if you're listening in podcast land, give us five stars, leave us a review. I would really appreciate that it's been a while since we've had a review on iTunes, and uh, and we could really use one. It really does help the show out. In fact, it t- it just takes a few minutes. Doesn't take long. I, I don't I don't feel like it's a huge ask. Um, I would prefer positive reviews than negative ones. We've got eighty four ratings. The last review we got was from back in September, and it was uh, nope, they didn't like us. <laughs> Because we talk too much about Kansas. That's funny. That's all right. Uh, we'd appreciate your uh, your thoughts and feelings. If you want to leave a negative review, how about you DM us on Twitter first instead of leaving something that will never go away. <laughs> all right. Uh, uh, Keegan Renault. Talk about Transfer Portal NIL. Chase McAnulty. Charlie Hustle. Let's get to it. They have been... Our sponsor here on the 1012 Podcast, the 1012 Network, for this football season. It's a relationship we're looking forward to continuing to build. We are thrilled, and I am excited, to have on the man behind all the magic that Charlie Hustle makes. He is Chase McAlty. Chase, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me, brother. Excited to be here. We've been we've been waiting to do this and finally made time for it. But you have three girls at home. I have Two, at least. Um, so, <laughs> no, it's hard to find time to do all these things, but here we are. So, thanks for having me. Hey, it's it's a pleasure. You know what? It's worth the wait. We've been working to get this done. I'm thrilled to have you. Of course, uh, everybody who listened to the show, everyone's show, everyone's podcast is is someone's first, or every podcast is someone's first. I'm going to get that line right one of these times. I think I've been trying to say that line every episode for two months, and it never comes out right. So, at some point, it will be accurate. But 
Charlie Hustle, of course, uh, apparel clothing company based out of Kansas City that you guys do some absolutely incredible stuff and have, have really started to build a relationship with the Big 12, which is why when this opportunity came up this summer um, was a perfect fit for us, a, a podcast and a podcast network that covers the Big 12. I, I want to talk about that relationship, but I want to start just right off the bat with Charlie Hustle. I mean, for, for those who aren't familiar with you guys and your brand, how did Charlie Hustle get started? Yeah, so yeah, I was always the kid in high school, college, uh, the t-shirt guy, if you will. Um, I collected old, whether it was, you know, I'm from Kansas City, so 1985 Royals t-shirts, um, 81 Rolling Stones concert t-shirts, whatever it was, um, they, they told a story, you know, and it was soft fit vintage feel. It was a clean, simple graphic, um, but, it, you know, they were secondhand, they were used shirts, so um, you know, it, it was just, somebody had been there. Somebody had experienced this moment in time. And, you know, I was going to design school. Um, I, and, and had this passion for t-shirts and I just, I kind of want to, wanted to create, set out to create a business that, you know, brought those stories back and, and, uh, told those stories our way. And, um, so I was, yeah, I was actually selling vintage t-shirts online, eBay, when eBay was, you know, there was still some margin left in there, but, um, <laughs> you know, I, uh, and it was just teaching me things and, and, and really kind of uh, giving me a passion to, to follow. And um, so uh, Charlie was kind of a version of those experiences. Um, I started when I was 26 um, and it was just, the name was kind of an alter ego. Um you know, Chase was short for Charlie or Charles growing up, even though it wasn't. Um, people, you know, that was kind of a, a name I had rolling around. And the entrepreneurial hustle of things, it's sports related. Um, it was just something that I think when you're building a company, you start with a name you can get behind. Um, and there was no long-term strategy or just very entrepreneurial and, and uh, instinctual and but we've been around 12 years now. Um, I always wanted to do collegiate. Um, my mom was one of the first. She helped build a company here at Kids the, uh, called Gear for Sports. They've been around for many years. Um, and so I was always passionate. And I was going to their warehouse sales back in the day, and they had all the, the schools. And now they're you know, developing stuff for Under Armour and um, Champion. Um, so always interested in that market. Um, we pivoted early on to really a local brand. Um, and, and now we've kind of branched out and uh, grown over the last three to five years with a focus on, on college. College is a great way to grow. Um, obviously people are tied to their schools and, um, it's a place you never want to leave. Right. So, um, it's always something that, um, you can tell a story for. So that's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it makes sense if you're a fan and it's fun. It's funny. I, I live in Arkansas now. I grew up in Oklahoma as a, as a big 12 fan. Like my school is Oklahoma state. And I laugh, my wife and I talk because oh. she's a fan of Arkansas. And it's like, she, she always felt in, 
compelled to wear her Arkansas stuff when she was in Oklahoma when we met. And now that I live in Arkansas, I am compelled to wear my OSU stuff. And it's funny, like, I will see OSU stuff outside of that. So I, I get it. Like, as you're a fan, you want to represent your school. You want to represent the, the team that you cheer for, especially when you're not near it all the time and, and surrounded by it. You feel like you've got to – you really got to wear that. So, like, collegiate apparel, like sports apparel, being a fan of something, it's 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 obviously a, a good business model. And when you can create something unique, and you guys do a really good job of making some really unique and interesting designs. And so I, I am curious you – know, like, I talked to some of the team over there. I had one of the designers send me some stuff. We're going to we're gonna put a little article together um, about the UCF stuff and kind of how some of those shirts, the Bounce House shirt and the Citronaut shirt kind of came together. And so like, what goes into the process for you guys coming up with new designs when you, whether you launch your school or you're just putting out a new t-shirt or, or sweater or hoodie for a school? Well, I think, you know, you touched on it with unique um You know, I was, I was living up in Lawrence, Kansas. I wanted to see something unique out in the market for, for Jayhawks fans. Um, and you know, there, there wasn't a ton of stuff. Um, but there's these rich histories and traditions and, and every school has it. And, um, you know, more than anything out there, you know, it's like college has, it's the beginning of everybody's story, you know? And, um, you know, so, we like to dig, dig into the archives and find cool stuff. Um, that's kind of a vintage made fresh has always been a, kind of a moniker of our brand. Um, and to be able to do that with college is, is really cool because uh, schools have a lot of great old marks and things you can and can't use. And, um, you know, we, we kind of play with the, the line. I don't know if uh, the licensing directors are always happy with us, but, you know, you got to, to, to bring something unique to the market, you've got to kind of challenge those norms. And um, so I'd like to, I'd like to say we do that, but um, yeah, it's, it's exciting, especially when you get a new school to, to explore. And UCF was a really, a, a great, not only a great fan base, um, but a lot of cool stuff. Um, we <laughs> learning about the Citronauts was just, fun in itself um, it's, it's all a you know an experience of learning new things every day um, but you know they didn't have a, a ton of apparel um, out there outside of logoed sweatshirts or, or whatever and um, so our goal is to really bring dive into the culture um, not just put logos on a shirt um, it you know, the, the UCF fan base have responded really well to it. And, um, you know, when that happens, we do more. It's simple as that. So um, it's been fun. So, you know, you guys have, have started building this relationship with the Big 12. You guys did a shirt for the, the basketball tournament last year. Um, I've got the, the Big 12 logo Kansas City Skyline T-shirt. Uh, you just put out um, championship, Big 12 championship shirts for Texas for football and volleyball. Yeah. When did you guys decide to go down this path of, of kind of, I don't know, focusing on the Big 12 or building this relationship with the Big 12 that, that you guys started to build and are continuing to do so? Well, you know, we've been to so the Big 12 basketball tournament's been in Kansas City for many years now. And, um, you know, we spent seven or eight years really trying to break in and, and build a relationship. And um, there was a, a, a gentleman, I actually saw him at the Big 12 championship this weekend. Um, and he was trying for us too for for many years, 
um, to get access to the fan experience or, you know, grab more licenses. And um, the Big 12 just wasn't, um, you know, a, a brand that was innovative at the time. Um, they had their they had their licenses and they had apparel companies doing certain things. And um, I think the market has changed. Um, there's there's new companies coming up that that want to innovate. And I think the conferences see that or the, the licensors see that. Um, Brett, your mark, I mean, kudos to him and, and the sense of he's he's aggressive. He's ready to innovate. And that's been helpful, um, to be quite honest. And um, we had some great conversations over the last two or three years with the big 12, but I think where he's been taking it and um, ultimately you know, trying to change the landscape, uh, they, they found a place for us that uh, made sense. And uh, so we've been working on this deal for about a year now um, overall. Uh, and we got to kind of see it a little bit firsthand at the big 12 football championship. And, you know, if you're coming to Kansas city, um, in March, uh, we're, we're exploring a whole lot more, but yeah, it was, it's fun to be able to, we always want to do the championship shirts. Um, um, but there's, there's a lot of different things we can do together. And I think they're open, open-minded enough to explore that. So are, are there, are there boxes of Oklahoma state big 12 championship shirts that are now going to be sent <laughs> off to third world countries like they do with Super Bowl yeah. champs that are just off somewhere that you might find in a, a uh, secondhand store. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's there's better ways of doing things nowadays, but um, <laughs> I think that's a big piece of our arrangement. There, you know, there's already licensees that have you know rights to in stadium stuff, and you know they got to print those. Um, a smaller business like ours, uh, you know, we we kind of fudge it on the the digital end, and um, you know we'll take those orders and the, and then print. Um, you know, as soon as we can, but, um, so no, there's, there is designs though. Um, <laughs> we're ready for both and, um, excited for both, <laughs> but uh, we can email about that later. Um, <laughs> no, the, the, the volleyball shirt that you guys made for Texas is absolutely fantastic. The football one is great. The helmet shirt's great. The volleyball one's fantastic. I, I can't wait to see what you guys have. Uh, when we get to baseball and we have softball and oh, I hope there's a wrestling shirt. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, we had, we talked wrestling last week and, and there's, there's stuff coming. And a lot of it has to do with the pod. Like um, you guys have done a, really an amazing job of um, opening those, those mindsets up on our team to, to all that we can explore and um, just understanding you know, where the interest level lies. And so wrestling, wrestling is definitely on the docket. <laughs> our, uh, our wrestling podcast, the uh, pin 12 shit podcast. will be very excited to hear yeah. that. There's that there's going to be a big 12. Look, Iowa state fans, I, Oklahoma state fans. Uh, I, I know they are diehard wrestling fans and, if, yeah. and Missouri as well is part of the big 12 in wrestling. If, if one of those schools wins the big 12, I, I, I know that shirt's going to sell well. I can't wait to see it. Uh, okay. I, I got to ask, obviously, you know, all of the current 14 teams in the Big 12 are on Charlie Hustle, except Cincinnati. You guys have Colorado. Uh, Arizona, Arizona State, Utah will be joining the Big 12 next summer. I know from our end, like we're still working to get podcasts for all the new schools that are coming in. So we can have our full, our full inventory. 
I know Cincinnati fans have been asking, and I try to reiterate the point. It's it's not the apparel company's fault if they don't have a school. I promise. I know you guys are trying to get all those schools on board. So if for, for fans of Cincinnati, who I know will listen to this, and any Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, or Utah fans who might be checking this show out and, and checking us out as they get closer to joining the Big 12, like if they want to see their school with some really cool apparel on Charlie Hustle, who do they actually need to be tweeting as opposed to just tweeting and emailing you guys? Like, obviously you want to, but just tag you guys. But who should they be contacting saying, give us Charlie Hustle? At Go Bearcats, you know, <laughs> just and pound them too. I mean, we we uh, we obviously want Cincinnati, I, I think. And that's sometimes the challenge of, of you know, expanding and, and going into new markets. Um, you know, you got to build these relationships. They don't, they don't necessarily know who we are yet. Um, and they have, there's, there's some good competition there already. There's, there's some, some good brands making some um, good product for, for Cincinnati, but um, yes, definitely working on the Bearcats. I think the big 12 relationship certainly helps uh, advocate for that. And, and then, you know, the other schools coming in as well, um, or, or we should have all those wrapped up here hopefully soon um and um yeah then it then it goes into the plans and we make room for it so it's coming i hope this is this is exciting no this I is hope. exciting i love this this is gonna be great okay i i I, I want to know if you've got anything you could tease for us that's coming down the pipe. I know you guys have your uh, hustle days of, of Christmas going on right now. You've got deals coming out each day. Um, some of it's Big 12 and collegiate related. Some of it's related to your Kansas City stuff um, and, and look the Big 12 stuff. The varsity jackets are incredible. Um, I'll, I'll be honest. Like Some of the schools have some really good stuff, and some of the schools I, I can tell from you guys in other places are a little more limited on what they're willing to let people do. Uh, completely okay. understandable. I always point it's like, don't ever get mad at the t-shirt company for not having cooler things. Yeah. It's 99.9% of the time. It's The t-shirt company's got 20 rejected designs that you as fans would love. The school's like, no, you can't do that. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to press you here. Obviously, we're going to have a wrestling championship t-shirt. I'm very excited for this. Uh, yeah. what other, what other little teases or nuggets do you think you want to drop either for December or coming into early 24? Well, definitely, um, you know, we're, we're kicking off the year with some, uh, fun stuff for basketball schools. Um, and then, you know, leading up to the, our, our, probably our biggest thing in Q1 is, um, leading up to the big 12 basketball tournament here, the men, you got men's and women's here in Kansas city. Um, we're going to do a, a big pop-up uh, downtown Kansas city. Um, and obviously there'll be product there, but events having some of our NIL athletes uh, in there. Some of the coaches um, we've, we, I think probably the biggest part of the big 12 relationship has been uh, the, the connections you're able to make. You know, we were able to go to big 12 media day, talk to most of the coaches um, sent several of the, the teams and coaches items of ours and so far they're loving it. Um, and so, you know, that, that's huge for us to, to build those relationships, gain influence. Um, and, you know, we, we hopefully are making things they want to wear. Um, you know, we never ask them to wear them. So when they show up, it's, it's a big plus for us, but I think that pop-up will allow us to really showcase our brand especially to, you know, those, those fans coming in. Um, and then, you know, 
I'm excited about, we, we do this college road show every year. We've kind of expanded it over the last couple of years, but um, big eight, you know, some, some tribute there to some of the past, really the, the glory years of, um, you know, 1980 to, to nine, 1996, we're digging into those archives and, um, you know, Mizzou and, and Nebraska and Oklahoma will all be represented in that. But um, I think it's, you know, that was such a great era. You know, it's it my childhood growing up. And so Big 8 will be a lot of fun. That leads us into um, really the fiscal year of the Big 12. So come July, you'll see a lot. July is really the focus for, you know, the new schools having all 16 in place, um, mascot tees and Big 12 collabs and um, we're 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 going all in on on the Big 12, so um, that's why this is just a, a perfect partnership. So I, I I couldn't agree more. We all love the Big 12. It's so much fun. Big Eight stuff, man. I have been I have been wanting for some time for some really cool like throwback Big Eight stuff. Wow. Like even like throwback Big 12 logo. I'm fine with the Big 12 logo. That's that's great. But like old Big Eight stuff for the for the the five schools who will remain for plus Colorado coming back, which is, you know, welcome. Uh, I can't wait. I think it's going to be great. There's so much cool history in the conference and there's some old designs from the eighties and early nineties that are just like 10 years ago. You're like, no, now I'm like, yeah, yeah, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me some old school Colorado, some old school Oklahoma state, some old school Iowa state and Kansas. It's fantastic. I don't want to miss out on Houston has been another amazing school. We, we found out, about Scott and Holman podcast through the Bosco boys. Um, and they've been incredible partners. Um, that's how we found out, found out about you guys. And, um, but Houston has become a really great fan base. Um, even for a, like a commuter school that the fan base is incredible. It's, it's tight knit, it's passionate, uh, you know, and, and they do have some good merch out there, but there's so many more things to dive into and, Come January, you'll you'll start to see it. So um, they're they're definitely at the top of the list. Uh, Scott Holman boys <laughs> will be uh, very appreciative of that little tease. I will make sure yeah. that they are aware of. I gotta tell them. <laughs> I, gotta tell them. We, I just got a text yesterday from my our printers. Uh, they're actually here in Lawrence, uh, Gene and Suzanne Weyenberg. So Gene played football, I believe. Best friends of Willie Fritz played football at Pitt State um, and Sam Pittman, Arkansas. So um, those three know each other. Our printer and two, you know, pretty successful college coaches, uh, Pittman. You know, um, but you know, that's really cool to see. You know, Willie Fritz come over to Houston, and you know, I got a text right away saying, "Hey, we need to send them some stuff. We need to make a Willie Fritz shirt." And so. Um, again, those relationships and then just the small world aspect of that is really, really pretty cool. That's awesome. I mean, that, that's more than I even could have asked for for teases. Yeah. If you guys put out a Willie Fritz shirt, whoo, that'll sell like hotcakes. Um, man, I, look, I love this. I, I love having a relationship with a company that cares as much about the big tools as we do. You guys do fantastic work. So much stuff coming down the pipeline. I cannot wait. Uh, I, I don't like, I'll mention to everybody, reminder. 10, 12, 15 is 15% off 
all non-sale items. They got so many sales going on through the end of the year. You probably won't even need the promo code. But when you buy, you can just mention 1012 Podcast, 1012 Network, so they know who sent you. Um, look, I, I'm thrilled for all of it. I can't say – I cannot wait for everything coming down the line. I'm going to have to bug Jordan to tell her to start sending me more like sneak peeks of things. Yeah. Because then stuff pops up and I'm like, how did I not know? You got to you gotta tell. You got to tell me. I'm working on that. <laughs> All our, right, Chase. Appreciate our planning it, man. Has, uh, you you yeah, got a lot going on. Man. It's Thanks a lot cranking out quick. Yeah, yeah. But you guys, you know, you have done an amazing job. Um, all the podcasts are awesome. I think what was it like four hundred thirty six mentions in in twenty twenty three, and we only worked for, together for half a year, so. Really cool. Kudos to your team. Uh, we're going to keep cranking out some good stuff. Can't wait. We'll, we'll, I'll email you about some 1012 stuff. We can yeah. read it. You we got ideas. Your, your guys have ideas. We're, uh, we're always uh, trying to crowdfund ideas. So. <laughs> yeah. I like this. I like this. Chase, appreciate it, man. Good luck. Enjoy the holiday season. And I can't wait to see what 2024 brings, man. Likewise. Thanks for having me. The transfer portal is open. Players are jumping in and out. The insanity is underway. Fans love it. Fans hate it. Coaches despise it, although it does benefit their roster. And so it's time to do a little portal talk. It's part of college football. It's part of the fabric of college athletics. So it's time to have a conversation about it. We want to talk about it in relation to the Big 12 specifically and a bit holistically and some just some interesting conversations about NIL in relation to the transfer portal. So joining us today, good friend of the pod, multi-time guest, back again, Keegan Renault. Keegan, welcome back, man. It's always a pleasure talking with you, being able to talk about, funny enough, this is really the first time I've been on with you that we get to talk more about what I actually do uh, and not what I say I do. Well, I guess I do get to talk football for a living, but uh, <laughs> what I'm really up to behind the scenes, so looking forward to it. Yeah, we're we're here to talk about your what you do for the franchise, right? Just come on, talk OU. No, I'm kidding. Um, so Keegan, so everyone has the uh, the understanding because every podcast is someone's first. Got it, nailed it, perfect. Uh, you are the uh, president and owner of RPM Data. What explain what that is and explain how you operate within the NIL transfer portal world. We are a scouting consulting service. And so what we do is we put proper evaluation on players as it pertains to the NFL draft and what their future in the NFL will look like. Meaning, and that's a loaded conversation, right? So every sports agent, every agency operates within a certain budget, just like it, what it would be in college football, five-star players, first-round players, cost you a little bit more money. Now we can say that in 2023, we can talk about that a little more publicly. They're going to cost you a little bit more money, which is why a lot like five-star players that go to the blue bloods first round players go to certain agencies. And if people now listening to this, if you start going onto your Google machine and start searching for just, if want to get you to that, let's take a little shortcut. Just go look at how many different agencies rep first round players Last year, there's a handful. There's six. There's seven. There's not a lot of agencies that rep only guys in the first that rep guys in the first round. So 32 players, not 32 different agencies. 
And there's a reason for that. There's a cost of acquisition. And so every agency operates within a certain budget. So which means there are certain agencies that can go get some players. There are some, there's the haves and then there are the have nots. And so what we have found is that there is value to be had at certain portions of the draft with certain players at certain positions. And there are players, uh, a lot of like college football recruiting, Philip, where if you're early on a guy, well, let's say, let's give a good example here since Oklahoma State fans have really hated me for the last month. Let's talk about <laughs> a guy named Kelvin. Let's talk about a guy named Kelvin Banks. Uh, uh, yeah. Oklahoma State. Great evaluation landed him from an agency world. That's the same thing. If you can get in there early and build that relationship, you have a stronger chance of landing him. But sometimes those players get good enough or they end up being good enough that they go to a bigger school that have, has a bigger budget that can spend a little bit more money. And so there's two parts of what we do. We like to find value, right? And some people will hear that and say that, Oh, you're finding sleepers in the draft. Sure. We can, we do that. However, there's also the world of the Tyler Guytons at Oklahoma that you know ahead of time that they're going to blow up. And if and, and client that we work with can get in there and build a relationship, there's a stronger chance of them landing a player that they likely would not have been able to because of the cost it takes to represent a player. And so everything we do at RPM Data, again, round back up, summarize it. We're a scouting consulting service. Uh, we provide uh, evaluations and valuations on players as it pertains to the NFL draft. So view it as asset management, view it as asset. Uh, if you're in the real estate world and you're in commercial real estate, I'm not going to take you to the complex that's in the prime part of town uh, that if you had enough money, I would uh, and tell you to go invest in that property or into that real estate. But I'm also not going to take you to the rundown part of town that there's not a lot of demand. There's not a lot of foot traffic. There's not a lot of people because you're not, it's, there's a stronger chance you're not going to make money, right? So our goal is to find the place for Oklahoma City's purposes, which would have been uptown like uh, six to eight years ago, uh, find you the right part of town that's got a lot of upside, that has a lot of potential. Um, we're not betting on penny stocks at RPM data, but we're also not going to be completely bought in on Apple either. So um, if we can, if we can find a Fortune 500 or Fortune 50 company, that'd be great. Um, now that he's done playing, and I know he's who he's signing with, um, Tyler Guyton would have been one of them from Oklahoma this year, Philip, where he's a no-name guy, and the next thing you know, he ends up being a top 50 pick in the upcoming NFL draft. That's more of what we do at RPM Data. Very cool. Um, I want to dive into some questions, but there was a, there was a tweet that you had, or a retweet that you had, and some comments I thought were interesting. There's just... I want to do, like I said, some holistic transfer portal NIL conversation. And this, the original tweet was from Jason Belzer, uh, who's the founder of Student Athlete NIL. Um, and his tweet was uh, from December 6th. So it, was, we're, it says, we're 72 hours into the portal window. Athlete NIL has, of at this moment, sent out 61 contracts across its P4 schools to lock in currently enrolled priority student athletes on rosters. Total value of these deals is over $7 million, which which means an average of just under $120,000 per athlete. A um, couple different takeaways from this, because I found it was very interesting to see someone be so um, specific and upfront with numbers, which we're still just not, we're not used to 
clarity of how much is actually being put out there for players in NIL, which is why you see so many wild, so much wild speculation about what kind of guys are actually getting paid. And we're going to talk about more about that here in a minute in relation to some comments by former Baylor head coach Matt Rule. But I, I, I'm curious from you, your response to that was kind of in relation to the NFL and the draft and, and how those kinds of dollars in college are impacting guys' decisions and, and how it should impact their decisions. Can you kind of just elaborate upon the numbers that he mentioned and, and your thoughts on his tweet? And let me pull up the exact numbers real quick. But yes, you know, I think what we're seeing in the space right now is the last two years, we have seen more guys that are going to get taken on day three of the NFL draft that are going back to school and they're going back to school for, they want to improve their draft stock part of it, right? They want to get their college degrees part of it, but also a big part of it now is an NIL money and how much money these players can get through the transfer portal. And Jason Belzar tweeted that we're 72 hours into the portal. As of this moment, he sent out 61 contracts across the power four it's going to take me a while to get used to continuing to say power four, but the total, <laughs> the average value of those deals is around $119,000. When you go look at the 2023 NFL draft, the signing bonus for the 220th pick in the draft was around $116,000. So there is this thought that these guys need to go back to school to improve their draft stock, right? Really? If you're a, if you're an undrafted free agent, go back to school hundred percent. If you're a projected fourth or fifth rounder, is your draft stock going to get that much better to where you're going to get paid a lot more money? Probably not. And so what we're seeing in the space right now is guys are going back to school that in their stake, you know, they're stating, you know, NIL, they're stating, you know, relationships. But from a financial sense, there isn't that much more upside to not coming out. And so to keep this very local, right? So like Cooper Beebe last year was a very shocking decision from a Kansas State perspective. He was a top 100 pick. And let me tell you, Philip, he's still a top 100 pick. Uh, he probably didn't improve his draft stock. His draft stock probably didn't drop. He wanted to get a degree from Kansas State. I think guys that go back for their degrees, I love that. Um, you know, when you get to the NFL, some of these teams and agents will put in, hey, we'll pay for the rest of your degree within their contract whenever they want to go back to school makes a lot of sense. However, there are players right now that are making decisions to go back to school that it doesn't make a whole lot of sense financially. Now there is very topical news with this. And I know Oklahoma's leaving, but from Danny Stutzman's perspective that just announced tonight, while we were about to literally right, we were about to record. If he's a projected top hundred pick, He's, his signing bonus is going to be around $850,000. And if he's higher than that, going to be close to a million dollars. Love Oklahoma in terms of what they're doing with NIL and how they've been competitive in the space, Philip. But go get paid. Start your start the clock on your pension. There, I don't think there's enough money to be made. There is more risk and downside for Danny Stutzman if he's a top 100 pick. If he is. There's more downside to coming back with injury uh, playing in the SEC, right? There's a lot of factors and variables that go into that decision. So it makes a lot of sense for a guy like that to strike while the iron is hot. Oklahoma uh, with Danny is a great example of that. He could have come back to school. And at Clemson, you see that you saw that a lot with guys coming back to school instead of going to the draft. 
However, from a, if you're basing this off a financial decision, which is what you asked me about, there's not a lot of downside. There's not a lot of upside to coming back to school if you are a fourth, fifth round uh, projected pick. So let's just go to the 150th pick in the draft. The 150th pick in the draft slot value last year was $324,000 signing bonus. My math in the top of my head right now, basing off the $116,000 that Jason Belzar put out there, tells me that $324,000 is about 190% more than what they would have made staying in school. And so that's where the heart of the tweet comes from. I think you've got a lot of people not giving great advice to a lot of these guys, and uh, we'll see what ends up happening. So uh, the the number again is interesting. It's it's rare to see people talk about actual numbers in relation to NIL. It's all been kind of speculation and wild reporting. And this guy is getting this. In fact, I, I mentioned Matt Rule, uh, Nebraska head coach Matt Rule. It was talking to the media, said, "quote Make no mistake, a good quarterback in the portal costs one million to one point five million to two million right now." Which is Friends, that's that's I know one one and a half to two sounds like a small amount. One million to two million dollars is a very large difference in amount of money. I know it sounds simple because one and two are one spot away. One million and two million are not one spot away. That is a wide range of funds. Uh what I want to ask you, and, and and I mean, I've been hearing some some numbers for some some players for a few Big Twelve players. I'm not asking saying like I know a bunch. I, I like let's say like three. Um, but I, I'm curious from what you are saying. What are actual common amounts you are seeing guys get in the portal? And, and, it, and it may vary based off position, and I'm fine to have that conversation. But is is Matt Rule right? Are you saying a bunch of these quarterbacks, all the really good quarterbacks, are all going to go in and get $1.5, $2 million? Or is this just like – is this still just more like overstatement of, of how much guys are actually getting when they go into the portal? So Nebraska is said to be recruiting Cam Ward. And I'll put two and two, and if you can equal four with that, about <laughs> who maybe he's talking about with NIL and how much it cost of acquisition on a quarterback. When the top players are the, when the, you're the, the number one quarterback in the portal. The top available quarterbacks, let's say your budget, NIL budget at Nebraska's seven to eight million dollars. I don't know. That's just me estimating out loud. Spending fifteen to twenty percent of that money for that kind of player, is it worth it? Um, it's, you asked me a two-part con- two question where, one, are the players getting it? Yes, I think a top-end quarterback is getting in that range one and a half to $2 million. Now the question becomes, are they? is it worth it? And I would say this. I love Cam Ward. I love watching him play. Is he worth one and a half to two million dollars of my of my budget? I don't think so. There are certain guys that are. Um, you know, there's some rumors out there about USC and the how much money that they have to operate with at their NIL budget. That makes a lot more sense to spend two million dollars on a quarterback whenever your budget that would be five, six percent of your budget, right? But if you're a quarterback and you're like Will Howard and Again, you Will Howard's been linked to, you know, USC. You Will Howard's been linked to Nebraska. But, you know, I again I I don't know if the current quarterback group in this transfer portal class is worth that much money. And there are there are some, right? Like I think Aiden Childs is a great example, the quarterback from Morgan State, and Dante Moore is a great example where 
you don't have a full picture of what they look like, but if you can get them at that price point over the course of two years. And the other thing about these numbers, Philip, that are out there, for some of these younger guys that have multiple years in college, that is a total contract value. That's not per year. So when you hear these coaches talking about, like, uh, I think Houston before Dana Holgerson was let go, there was some talk about some of their players getting $300,000. And I go and look, and they have three years of eligibility. They're getting 100000 per year. That's about market value for a top, uh, you know, a good defensive lineman, um, not an elite one. Now, Walter Nolan's going to break the bank. Uh, Walter Nolan's going to make the most money of any guy that's in the transfer portal this year from AM. And a lot of those AM guys are going to make a lot of money in this space. But ultimately, are the top quarterbacks getting that kind of money? Yes. And then the question becomes, are the guys in this year's transfer portal class at quarterback worth that much? I think a guy like Aiden Trials and Dante Moore are, if you can get them guys that have multiple years. And really, I think to we're not going to get take a deep more of a deep dive after this. The thinking that you have to do with NIL and college football, Major League Baseball has, you know, luxury taxes. But Major League Baseball doesn't have a salary cap. Major the Yankees spend a lot more than the Tampa Bay Rays do. And the way these teams are working with NIL, it is a lot more like how an MLB front office would operate than how an NFL front office would operate or an NBA front office would operate because there's not a salary cap in college football. Every team has a different NIL budget and how you operate within that budget is way more important. And, you know, there are some schools I've heard over the last you know month or so as the portals heated up, Philip, where they have a really good understanding but there's of, of the portal and how much guys are truly worth in terms of your within your NIL budget. But we still haven't done enough research and we probably don't have enough information because NIL deals are not disclosed. And I love the fact that Jason Belzar put that out there because that's really important information to have for us in the public to see what these guys are making. But if we don't know every NIL deal or how much a guy's actually making while they're on campus – we don't know what positional value really is. We don't know if a quarterback's worth one and a half to $2 million. We don't know if that future left tackle is worth that amount of money that he's getting. Um, is a line, is a running back worth more in college than he is in the NFL? Uh, is a linebacker worth more in college than he is in the NFL? There's a lot of questions that come from NIL and budgeting in, in college athletics, specifically with football. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I think just a long winded here, but yes, the top quarterbacks are getting it. The second part of it, are they worth that much money? I I wouldn't personally pay Cam Ward or Will Howard one and a half to two million dollars if my budget is six to seven to eight million. I don't think they're worth that much part that much of your NIL budget because they're one year rentals. I don't, I, don't, I I like Will Howard. I don't know that I'm gonna pay Will Howard one point five million no matter what my NIL budget is. Sorry, bud. Um I mean I think that the one thing I do want to ask you straight up is like I, the people hear those numbers and the perception becomes, well, all these guys are a, from a player perspective, they all think that they could get larger amounts of money than they're actually get. And I think fans have an overestimation of how much is actually being spent on an IO. Like they, they, I think that fans have a, an inflated number in their head of what guys are actually getting to go to these schools than is actually being spent. I, I, and I'm not saying that guys aren't getting spent, aren't paying lots of money. Like I'm sure Texas A&M and Texas and USC and Ohio State's uh, war chest is, uh, is plenty full. But at the same time, I am curious from what you have seen, like 
what are more what is a what is a more realistic number for some of the guys coming out of the portal like more often like is it are we talking about 100k are we talking about 50 are we talking about 500 a million like what what do you feel like are more average numbers kind of across the board i think whenever you look at like what schools these guys are going to right and this is a big 12 podcast i think like obviously utah Utah is spending probably more money and UCF is spending more money in Texas. I forgot Texas tech there for a second, Texas tech is spending more money than uh, some of these other schools in the big 12 are. So I think like with a a normal, like portal impact player, not like an instant impact, but like, uh, you know, a a Jalen Hutchings type of Texas tech, or, you know, um, let's think about UCF for a second. Uh, some of the corner, the DBs they got out of the transfer portal, like DeCorey and Patterson from middle Tennessee state that UCF got, you know, those guys are probably getting anywhere between 80 to $120,000. Um, and that's not saying a fact I'm using those guys as an example. And so that's somewhat of the cost of acquisition at the, at, at the college level in terms of these guys into the transfer portal. And again, would you rather spend that money on a one-year rental or would you rather invest that into your recruiting class? I think is the ultimate question that we're going to have over the next two to three years. Um, you know, I think whenever you look at broadly at the sport, I think the big 12, like Utah, Texas tech, Arizona state spending a lot of money right now. Uh, UCF, you know, we'll see how Kansas State's done a really good job, I think, from the NIL point of view as well. We'll see how that impacts things moving forward uh, after some news recently. But, you know, I, I whenever you look at the transfer portal itself, I think these players are getting – the guys that come in that do make impact, I think are getting anywhere between seventy-five dollars to $150,000 at, um, you know, at some of these bigger schools like the Texas Techs of the world that – Obviously, Texas Tech is probably as competitive in the NIL space as anything we'll see at the power at the uh, ACC or Big 12 level. Uh, ACC, Sands, Clemson, and Florida State. Um, you know, I think that they're probably oh, Miami. Um, outside of those three, Texas Tech's probably as competitive in the space as anybody. Obviously, the transfer portal and NIL have kind of go hand in hand now, it seems like. Players go in for money, right? Before everyone into the transfer portal because they they were mad they weren't getting a play time. They they felt they should get more play time. That was the perception. Now everyone's going to the transfer portal because they all want to get a bigger paycheck, right? That's the perception. From what you have seen, and I know it's hard to put exact numbers and percentages on this. If you had to put a percentage on it of the players entering the transfer portal, how much of it do you actually believe is is money driven? And I understand a lot of these decisions are more complicated than I just entered because I wanted a bigger paycheck. I just entered because I want more playing time. Sometimes it's a combination of things. But between getting a better NIL opportunity, wanting to have more playing time, wanting to just get to be on the field and playing or moving closer to home and a coach basically telling them, go elsewhere, we don't want you anymore. Like wh- how, how do you kind of divide this up as to percentages of reasons guys are uh, of the guys who are entering the transfer portal because i i again because there's so little information 
and there's because there's fans have to do so much time speculating on what reasons are, are I think their minds go immediately to everyone's out for their own self benefit and selfish and yada yada yada, which you should do what's best for you. It's your career, and it's probably not going to be very long. But I am curious from what you've seen. How do you kind of split percentages based off of what reasons guys are actually going into the transfer portal? There's two facets of this, and I think that there are players that are very obviously Patrick Payton, the edge rusher from Florida State. Was pretty obvious that man was doing some negotiating, right? Uh, What do we think of the Jalen Daniels situation at Kansas, right? And kind of why there were rumors about him entering the transfer portal. And so I think that there is a smaller faction that are truly negotiating and wanting a bigger payday. And then there is a more of a majority of they're not in the right situation. They're moving up from G5 to the power five, G, G5 to the power four. I want to get that correct. I'm going to get it right. <laughs> at some point over the next year, I'm going to get it right. It's going to take a uh, while. From the G5 to the power four. Um, and then, you know, I think whenever you look at, there's guys that are transferring up. There's guys, coaches are leaving. Um you know, I think whenever you look at kind of what this thing looks like over the next two years, there's going to be some more horror stories that come out of the portal. Guys not getting paid, guys not getting the money that they want. And I think that those financial decisions are going to go away. And I know you're going to have to edit a little bit of this. And when people hear it, they're not going to hear my long pauses, but like trying to properly think this through, I think there's a minority that are leaving for financial reasons. And then there's a majority leaving for playing reasons. Um, now, I could be naive on that, 1,000%. Um, but I don't think that these guys that are leaving the Power 4 to go to the G5 are leaving for financial reasons. I don't think these guys that are going from G5 to G5 are leaving for financial reasons. Unless it's like to Liberty or something, one of these smaller G5s that have massive budgets. Um, I don't think that you're, the majority of these guys aren't leaving for financial reasons. I, I don't I don't believe that. Um, I think that there's a lot that's happening out there of guys that are moving up from, you know, and they're going to get a payday, but there are a lot of guys that I know that are moving up from FCS to G5 or FCS to power four, G5 to power five, and they're leaving for playing reasons. And obviously the money's coming on the other side of it, but I'm hearing a lot of guys that are like, I'm not going to the school that is going to pay me the largest back. Um, there, this is, it is a very transactional relationship with the transfer portal and it is a, yes, money's a big part of it, but if I'm moving up from an FCS school to the power four, I'm doing that because you're going to get me to the NFL. You're going to get me to that bigger payday. And so in terms of the mindset, again, just to wrap it all where my thoughts are with this minority of it, I think are guys leaving, um, for financial reasons and negotiating. And then obviously, I think more than anything, there's guys leaving for playing purposes than anything else. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that's kind of what I thought. Um, I still don't think it's just everyone's leaving for money. Obviously, you'd like to make some more if if possible, but and I and I don't think fans give enough. I don't think fans realize that college football coaches are utilizing the portal to remake rosters as much as as they think. Like, I understand that's like Coach Prime and what Lincoln Riley did at USC, and that's they've been very public about it. I think it is far more common 
then fans actually realize that coaches and staffs are saying, I would probably, maybe not telling you to showing you the door, but saying it would probably best for you to not be here anymore. You're not going to see the field. And I do think that is more common than is being publicized, though I do think, I mean, credit to Lincoln Riley and, and, and Deion Sanders, like they've been fairly obvious and public about it and kind of bringing some attention to it. But I do think it's a larger percentage than fans even realize and want to to give credit for, for the guys who are having to enter the portal. So do you feel like there is, like what percentage do you actually feel is coaches telling guys, showing them the door or suggesting, encouraging that they find another program to go to? I think there's part of that with four-year guaranteed scholarships these days in these in the major conferences. You can't necessarily cut guys. You can tell them. Um, I think whenever you look at like these major blue bloods or what Deion Sanders did at Colorado, right? You can basically tell them they're not going to be guaranteed a starting spot or we're bringing another guy in. And that is an easy way to push guys out the door. So I don't think the conversations are as much as like, just get out. I think it's more of a, Hey, we're bringing guys in at your position. You put two and two together about what we think. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Uh, so let's, let's dive into some big 12 specific stuff. We've talked kind of broad college football. Um, let's start about guys, teams going shopping, uh, which big 12 teams so far have you seen that are being the most active in the transfer portal as far as looking to bring guys in? I have to start with Colorado, right? Like, they're a new big 12 school. They need a lot. And there's a lot of conversation about guys having questions about what's it going to look like in Colorado next year? What's the coaching staff look like? And then everything else that kind of comes with that, you know, we'll see what happens. You know, we're three days in to the transfer portal really being open for these undergrads, but there's a UCF's obviously been really active. Grayson McCall coming on campus and seeing what that looks like. I, I think some of these schools that have bigger NIL budgets, Utah, Arizona State, Texas Tech, TCU, Baylor, I, I think that they're going to be pretty active as we get into the portal. But with just a few days in, like there's not a lot of commitments happening. There's not as many as I think people expected, just like portal opens and guys committing. And there's some, like the Chris Mitchell kid that committed from Florida Inter- International uh, to Notre Dame, Tyler Shuck committing from... Texas Tech to Louisville happened pretty quickly. So I, I think we're going to learn more in the next couple of days. And, you know, I don't, we're still figuring out how many guys are leaving, um, how many guys are going to leave after the bowl game at these schools. But early on, as we look at the portal from the Big 12 perspective, Philip, UCF's been really active. And that's not a surprise. You know, they had a, a pretty old team. I think a lot of people had some high, hope, high hopes for them. And, uh, you know, so I I think UCF's going to be very active. Arizona State's going to be very active. Arizona has a lot of program buy-in right now, so I'm not unsure to see if they're going to be as active. Um, they may not have a lot of guys they need to replace. But again, I think some of these schools, Texas Tech was a very old team. If you're looking at the portal to see who may be active and who won't be, go look at the teams that are the most experienced and then go look at the teams that are spending the most money in the transfer portal or for their recruiting classes. UCF. Utah, Texas Tech, Colorado, Arizona State, they need a lot of help. Uh, We'll see how active TCU is. They did have a lot of guys that they can return for next season. We'll see what happens in Stillwater. They did a really good job. I think they nailed, they hit the nail on the head uh, with a lot of their transfer portal guys that played really well this year. And then, you know, can 
Can Neil Brown bank on the success and build off of what he had this year? We'll see. And then, you know, the other school I mentioned, I'm kind of going through, rolling through everybody, but Cincinnati's obviously going to need to be really active as well. They probably had a lot, a, a fewer guys, you know, leave that you may not have expected with Brian Threats and Deshaun Pace. But, um, you know, I, I think at the end of the day that, uh, you know, you just look at these schools that had a lot of experience that are older and I would imagine that they're going to be pretty active as it comes to the portal. Colorado is interesting because, I mean, they basically portaled this entire roster in in this year. So unless you have a bunch of guys who graduate or run out of like time like you or, or grad transfers, like it's not like a lot of these Colorado kids can leave again. They just transfer portaled in. It's not like they have a lot of places to go. So unless you're just going to tell them, well, you're just not going to play and we're going to replace you. Like I, I'm very interested in how Colorado handles this from the standpoint of like, it's not like you can just sit, put them back into the portal because they're not going to be able to be eligible somewhere else. So good luck with that, I guess. I don't, that's that um, Colorado is an interesting situation uh, to me. You mentioned Clint Cincinnati. I do think that's where I want to kind of lead off with this next question. Um, I want to talk about the Big 12 programs who've had the highest number of players who've entered the transfer portal so far. Cincinnati leads all Big 12 teams, including newcomers, with 20. Uh, they've had 20 guys into the portal. That's I, that's when I did the research as of Wednesday afternoon. That might have actually changed between then and by the time this comes out Thursday morning. Uh, Utah was second with 13. I mean, given how Cincinnati's season went, it's not shocking to see that many guys leaving into the portal. They obviously had a couple of big names decide that they're going to come back. Dante, uh, Deontay Corleone deciding he's going to play one more year at Cincinnati's big for Cincinnati. But I mean, they've had 20 guys enter. Does this feel like um, a bit of a roster overhaul for Cincinnati or is it just after the year you have, is that kind of standard practice? I think Cincinnati is in a position that they, I mean, people, I don't think people understand like Cincinnati literally had no returning receivers last year in their receiver room. They every player receiver they brought in was from the portal or the the recruiting class, and so for all Luke Fickle did, which the defense had a lot of talent that came back, uh, and that they had at their disposal, whether it was Briggs at defensive tackle, Corleone, Threats, Pace, you know Eric Phillips on the edge, um, you know I think whenever you look at what Cincinnati's going to have to do, this is a three four year process. They had to, um. You know, they had to go through a really big roster overhaul. They brought in some older guys. And next thing you know, some of the the guys that are entering the portal were guys that stuck around from the Luke Fickle era, right? And so they're going to have to really overturn that roster again. And you mentioned the Colorado and, you know, the fact that they, you know, players that are portaling, if they haven't graduated, that they're kind of stuck. I think Colorado's more in that spot than Cincinnati is. Um, I, I think if I remember correctly, a lot of the guys at Cincinnati had uh, were older experienced guys. And those guys probably either exhausted their eligibility or they graduated and they can transfer again. So I, I think Cincinnati is in a, in a position right now where that's what they have. This is what they have to do. I mean, again, for all Luke Fickle did for Cincinnati, that offense did not have a lot remaining in the, in the cupboard. Like, Oklahoma fans were really upset, Philip, about Lincoln Riley leaving and like in the national media were talking about them gutting the program. You know, they had a lot of guys return. The Cincinnati did. Uh, Cincinnati was in a spot where they had to overturn a lot of their roster. And we'll see kind of how they're able to manage this because I think Satterfield's in a m- more difficult position than he would have thought when they 
when they showed up. Quite frankly, I, I was told that when Cincinnati and some of those staffers had gotten there, they were like, what did I sign up for? Yeah, Fickle chose a very, uh, I think, opportune time, not just because he was entering the Big 12, but based off of the situation to to maybe rebuild elsewhere than at Cincinnati where he left. Um, we'll see how Satterfield does. Like I mentioned, Utah has had 13 into the portal so far. I'll run through the rest who've had double digit. Kansas State with 12, Iowa State and Arizona State with 11, Oklahoma and Texas Tech with 10. Obviously, Oklahoma is going to be leaving, so I don't know that we have to spend a lot of time on them. They'll be in the SEC uh, this time next year. For Kansas State, look, Kansas State fans are having a rough 48 hours, and and I'll just drop that. We're going to have Scott from uh, Bosco's Boys. Uh, we'll we'll do an interview with him and chat about everything going on in Manhattan, and we'll drop that on YouTube probably on Thursday as well. It will not be part of this episode because we couldn't get it done in time. Obviously, losing your offensive coordinator to Texas A&M, uh, another school finally was able to poach him away. I think this was this was at least the third school who's tried to do so, and they were able to to, to pull him away. Um, a lot of rumors about who else might be leaving. I mean, for Kansas State fans, you've had 12 guys in there. Obviously, Will Howard, because Avery just, it's Avery Johnson time. Um, we're going to see him take over the program at the Pop-Tarts Bowl, and, and hopefully the rumors about where he will be next year uh, don't come to fruition, and he is still a wildcat uh, for Kansas State's sake. But uh, of the schools I've listed, the double-digit schools, we can include Cincinnati if we want to, but Utah, Kansas State, Iowa State, Arizona State, and Texas Tech. Are any of these you always have as a fan, like, should I be concerned? Is this a sign of something going on? Or is this just, you're going to have years like this? I can use Oklahoma State as an example. All the conversation was like, oh, they've lost the program. They've lost all these guys. Everybody entered the transfer portal. And then the conversation was, well, we had some guys leave who didn't fit the culture. Guys wanted to get paid elsewhere. Is this a sign of trouble for any of these schools? Or is this just, this is going to happen. Everybody kind of get over it, get used to it. You're going to have years like this. I think it's different for every school. Cause like, Texas Tech, with the money that they're spending in recruiting an NIL, it doesn't, it won't affect them nearly as much. But like Kansas State doesn't recruit at that level. Iowa State doesn't recruit at that level. And I don't know all the guys who left, right? Like I thought it was really interesting. Nate Matlock, I think, is a, like I thought was a Kansas State guy, like through and through. And he he was recruited to Kansas State to play in a four down system. And he ended up playing in a three, three, five, right? And that, makes a lot of sense for a guy like him to leave so i i don't think there's needs to necessarily be panic and again like part of me wishes that in terms of like talking about the portal i would we, we would have a few more weeks to kind of see how this thing unfolds and see where guys commit and kind of make you know better opinions and decisions from then however like i think i always will come back to i trust chris Kleiman, i trust matt campbell like if you have a good head coach and your next year may not be great, but over the course of time, I'm always going to bet on good coaches at good football programs. And, you know, Chris Kleiman, I think, is great. I think Matt Campbell's great. I think Joey McGuire really knows what he's doing in terms of player acquisition. He's hired a great staff there in Lubbock. And then, obviously, Arizona State. Like, Arizona State just needs to be worried that they're going to have enough scholarship players on the offensive line um, next year, right? Like, there was games that Arizona state played this year where they had five or six scholarship offensive linemen. And like, that is really concerning from that point of view. So, you know, I think Arizona state is on a little bit different schedule than what these other schools are. And so, you know, I think Arizona state is a lot like Cincinnati, like Dillingham needs some time. 
And Arizona State obviously is going to be very competitive in the NIL world, which is why Kenny Dillingham is the now head coach at Arizona State and not Herm Edwards and why they uh, they had the position that they were in this year. All right, we'll, we'll wrap on this. And and if you don't have any, that's fine. I'll just cut this. Um, all right, let, let's let's see if we can get you to, to name drop a few people. As, as far as Big 12 fans go, are there some guys in the portal that Big 12 fans should be keeping an eye on to potentially uh, join their team's roster in the upcoming season? Yeah, I you know, I think one in particular, a guy that is close and basically in the heart of Big 12 country. Can one of these Big 12 schools keep Jamori Macklin away from going to a major Power 4 program? I know Jamori Macklin, the receiver from North Texas, took a visit to Penn State. Would he be the guy at Penn State? Probably not. Could he be the guy at Baylor? He could. Could he be the guy at Texas Tech with Miles Price likely leaving? He could. And so can a guy like him, you know, enter the transfer portal and find a way? Um, you know, there's two two other guys to mention. Uh, Grayson McCall, right? I mean, he takes a visit to UCF. He's, I mean, him and John Rice Plumley. if they were, if someone told me they were twins in terms of how they play, it would make a lot of sense. Plumley's a little more athletic. <laughs> McCall's a little bit better of a passer, but that would definitely be one. And then one last one. Uh, I think he's going to end up in the Big 12 and Big 12 country. Easton Kilty, the offensive lineman from North Dakota, I believe, not North Dakota State. I think he's from North Dakota. Uh, we really like him in RPM data, and that's really all I can say on that from a public sense. But I think he's a guy that ends up in the Big 12, and I think he's a guy that is going to have a chance to have success at this level. There you go. All right. Keegan, always a pleasure, man. Appreciate you joining us to break all this down. I feel less confused and smarter uh, but that'll that won't last long uh plug it all man uh for those uh those who want to learn more about what what you do uh in relation to college football where can they find that yeah and like i said you know i wish maybe we can come back here in a few weeks and really dive into the transfer portal and you know in terms of players and teams that have players that have left and bowl games and all that fun stuff but yes at keegan renault eight at k-e-g-a-n-r-e-n-e-a-u and then obviously yeah president owner, operator, however you want to call it, of a RPM data, data company based out of Oklahoma City. And so, yeah, this has been really fun. I love getting kind of deep in the weeds with this. And uh, it's a crazy time of the year. My phone, I, I put my phone on Do Not Disturb, but I forgot to put my laptop on Do Not Disturb. And so my uh, texts have been going crazy, man. I'm on the phone four or five hours a day over the last 10 days. And uh, we'll see how this whole thing unfolds uh, in the portal, draft world. Um, I think it's going to be a fun time over the next four weeks. We'll touch base again in January and, and and do this again and just kind of see what more we know. The transfer portal will have been open for longer. Bowl games will be done. Uh, people will start picking destinations. And, and it'll be interesting at least to speculate a bit more, talk about landing spots, and, and, and see what see what more you found out. So, Keegan, always a pleasure, man. We'll talk to you again soon. Absolutely. Have a good one. Podcast Network.